patrons heard this episode first, you can become a patron too by clicking the link in our show notes or heading over to patreon.com slash the murder diaries pod. One of the fun things we do for our patrons is give them a shout out in an episode. Thank you, Ashley, for becoming our newest patron. Welcome to the murder diaries. I'm Natalie. And I'm Paige. The case I have for you today sent shockwaves through St. John's County, Florida, and eventually the true crime community as a whole. It's about a bubbly 13-year-old named Tristan Bailey, whose life and future were stolen from her when a classmate, someone she thought to be a new friend, lured her into the nearby woods with sadistic intentions. As a result, the Bailey family lost a daughter and a sister, the cheer community lost the ultimate cheerleader, and the world lost a shining light. Tristan's friend Alani wrote to us last year with a description of who Tristan was. And I'd like to read that now so our listeners can be reminded that at the center of this horrifying crime is a real person who is loved and missed dearly. Here's what Alani had to say. Tristan was a nice, sweet person who would put a smile on your face every day and cheer you up when you were sad. She could light up any room she walked into. She was the kindest friend anyone could ask for. Being a cheerleader was her dream. Her Zodiac was a Capricorn, and she would defend those who couldn't defend themselves. I think it's clear Tristan left an indelible mark on all those who met her, and her legacy will continue to do so for many more who will never have the opportunity. This is her story. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. It's around 9.40 a.m. on Sunday, May 8th, 2021, when the Bailey siblings gather in the kitchen of the family home to make their mom, Stacy, breakfast in bed. It's Mother's Day, and they want to do something special for her. All the siblings who still live at home trickle in one by one, but 13-year-old Tristan has yet to join them. They figure she's still sleeping and assign one of the sisters to go wake her. But when the sister arrives at Tristan's room on the second story, she's caught off guard. The room is empty and the bed is made, as if Tristan hadn't slept in it at all. She alerts the others and they all agree, this is weird and so unlike Tristan. They wonder where Tristan could have gone if she left the house entirely and why she didn't tell anyone. The siblings search the home room by room and call Tristan's phone only for it to go straight to voicemail. Her cell phone locations and Snapchat locations are also turned off. Their worries grow as the minutes tick by and there's still no word from Tristan. It becomes clear that they need to let their parents know what's going on. So they tell their dad, Forrest, Tristan's missing. Forrest doesn't waste a second. He drops what he's doing and races to the neighborhood amenity center, praying to see Tristan's big smile, hoping she's just hanging with friends and lost track of time. But disappointment crashes over him when she isn't there either. Meanwhile, the rest of the Baileys contact friends and family, hoping someone knows the whereabouts of the seventh grader. But every call ends the same. Nobody has seen or heard from Tristan. Now for a word from one of this week's sponsors. One of the most exciting things about it being a new year is that you have no idea what's in store for you. There could be new travel experiences, new jobs, or even just picking up a new skill. And there's no better way to start 2023 off than by learning a new language. I'm personally doing this right now with Babbel. It's a language learning app that's sold more than 10 million subscriptions. 
Thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you can too. This should come at no surprise, but I'm a pretty big nerd and I love learning new languages. I actually have the highest subscription that Babbel offers and right now I'm working on Italian. Honestly, you guys, I mean it when I say addictively fun. I literally do it in bed. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages. And like Paige was saying, it is fun. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to the lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, you can join us in all the fun that Babbel offers and get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash diaries. That's babbel.com slash diaries for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. What should have been a day of celebration soon devolves into a parent's worst nightmare as Stacy Bailey calls 911 to report her daughter missing. The distraught mother of five gives a physical description of blonde, blue-eyed Tristan to the operator who then rattles off a number of questions, including when was the last time the family saw Tristan? Stacy explains Tristan and the rest of the Bailey Seven, which is what the family calls themselves, returned home from dinner and a visit with their adult daughter at 11.45 p.m. And right away, they all went to their respective bedrooms for the night. Or so that's what was supposed to have happened. According to Stacy. Tristan's sister Sophia saw her in the garage sometime after midnight when she was supposed to be sleeping. And Tristan wasn't alone. She wasn't alone. Who was she with? A boy. Let me preface this by saying Tristan doesn't have a history of sneaking out and didn't have a boyfriend at the time of her disappearance. So this secret meeting with a boy in the garage is a shock to Stacy and Forrest. It's completely out of character for Tristan, but none of that matters. They're more worried than mad. They want to find their little girl and know she's okay. And with this information, it's becoming clear that she did in fact sneak out of the house. But where she went and who accompanied her are the questions they don't have answers to. They don't know who this boy is because the sister didn't recognize him. The only description they have is that he's Caucasian, was wearing a backwards white baseball hat, and appeared to be a similar age. Forrest accesses Tristan's AT&T phone records online. And right there on the call log is a number he doesn't recognize at 12.25 a.m. The incoming call is the last one to have been answered by Tristan. And now the family want to know whom the number belongs to and what Tristan and the other person talked about. Forrest dials the number and a teenage boy's voice answers on the other end. Turns out the number belongs to an older boy an eighth grader who attends Patriot Oaks Academy, where Tristan is in the seventh grade. And that's pretty much all the information Forrest was able to get because the boy claims he doesn't know Tristan's whereabouts either. Not much later, the official search for Tristan begins. St. John's Sheriff's deputies arrive and join the family and other locals as they canvass the area, while a Florida missing child alert is issued for the popular cheerleader. Deputies submit a request for the last 30 days of Tristan's call, text, and overall phone usage records. And pings on Tristan's phone are also ordered in an attempt to locate it, with the belief Tristan would be with or near the device. And as word of Tristan's disappearance becomes more widespread, a tip comes in. The father of an older classmate contacts the authorities, informing them Tristan was at his home hours before the family discovered her to be missing. 
The caller's son, Dothus Absher III, who goes by Trey, later explains everything to deputies Robert Maloney and Liam Stack in an informal interview, beginning with the fact that he's technically grounded for the weekend due to getting suspended from school, Patriot Oaks Academy, where he's an eighth grader. Remember, that's the same school Tristan attends the seventh grade. And I know what all of you are wondering. No, Trey isn't the same person from the call log. But he and the other boy, Aiden Fucci, are friends. And as it turns out, they were together in the early morning hours of Sunday, May 8th, when Aiden called Tristan. Trey may have been grounded and not allowed to have visitors that weekend, but there's always a but. That didn't stop him. He figured out how to get around the family's cameras by having his friends creep through the north side of the Absher family home. The two 14-year-olds spent hours playing video games undetected by Trey's parents until they called Tristan and encouraged her to sneak out. Trey's story continues. He tells the deputies Tristan and Aiden didn't stay long. They left together, but eventually went their separate ways. Aiden went home. Well, Tristan allegedly had plans to stop at the Durban Crossing North Amenity Center to meet her quote-unquote drug dealer, a 22-year-old named Carlo who only communicates with Tristan via Snapchat. At least that's what Aiden told Trey. The authorities pull surveillance footage from the surrounding area and it supports the first part of Trey's story. The initial sighting of Tristan and Aiden is of them walking through the dark neighborhood before arriving at Trey's house at 12.30 a.m. on the dot. Then the twosome are caught on camera again as they leave the home 40 minutes later at 1.10 a.m., walking together in the direction of the amenity center. But here's where things differ from Trey's story. Nobody fitting Carlos' description is caught on camera ever. The authorities begin to suspect Carlo may not even be a real person. They do, however, see one tall figure and one significantly shorter figure walking side by side, Tristan and Aiden. The two never parted ways like Trey reported. In fact, surveillance from the amenity center recorded Tristan and Aiden walking along the sidewalk as they passed the main entrance at 1.14 a.m. And the last footage of the two of them is from the home of a neighborhood resident, showing Tristan and Aiden walk east on Saddlestone Drive at 1.45 a.m. As the authorities scanned surveillance footage for more evidence of Tristan and Aiden, they noticed Aiden appears on the same neighborhood resident's camera once more at 3.27 a.m. This time he's alone, heading in the opposite direction and carrying white Nike shoes in his arms. He eventually enters his home, marking the last time he's caught on camera. What about Tristan, though? That's the question on everyone's mind. She never appears on any surveillance after the 1.45 a.m. footage of her and Aiden heading east on Saddlestone Drive. And nobody's heard from her since. Now authorities want to speak to Aiden Fucci. Deputies Malone and Stack then make a visit to Aiden's home on Castledale Court and want to hear his version of events. What happened after he and Tristan left Trey's house? With permission of his mother, Crystal Smith, Aiden simply states the two teens walked along North Durban Parkway and parted ways when Tristan turned onto Cloisterbane Drive to go home or possibly meet her drug dealer, Carlo, and Aiden trekked home himself. But if you were paying attention to the timeline I just went over, this story doesn't add up. Aiden and Tristan were last seen together at 1.45 a.m., far past the amenity center, where Aiden alleges she was to meet Carlo. On top of that, Aiden didn't get home until 3.27 a.m., which leaves a big chunk of unaccounted time. 
the officers know this and they want to get to the bottom of the time discrepancy. They question why it took Aiden almost two hours to walk one and a half miles. A distance Google Maps says will take no more than 28 minutes to walk. And he backpedals, changing his story for the first time, but not the last. In this new version of events, Aiden admits to kissing Tristan. He alleges she then grabbed his penis. Embarrassed, he angrily pushed her away, telling her to f*** off. The force with which Aiden shoved Tristan caused her to fall and hit her head, and he immediately walked away from the scene that he says occurred around the 600 block of North Durban Parkway. Aiden claims he doesn't know if Tristan got up because he didn't look back and was dizzy from smoking marijuana at Trey's house. Then he roamed around the quiet neighborhood by himself before finally returning home. Deputy Maloney suspects Aiden isn't being forthcoming about what truly happened that morning. His gut's telling him a crime may have been committed and he has an idea. To get both Aiden and Trey together, giving the boys an opportunity to incriminate themselves. And what better way to do it than put them in the back of a police cruiser and take them to the station for additional questioning. Both parents agree, telling their minor sons to stay quiet until they're in the presence of their lawyers. It's important to note that neither of the boys have been arrested. They're not in handcuffs and still have their phones. They're simply witnesses in Tristan's missing person case at this point in time. But what Aiden does next raises eyebrows and goes absolutely viral. Of course, the boys don't stay quiet, Aiden especially. First, he calls his girlfriend, another eighth grader, telling her he plans on pleading the fifth. Then he posts not one, but three Snapchats as he waits to be taken to the sheriff's station. In two of the videos, he's horsing around with Trey before he looks into the camera and says things like, quote, we're having fun in a cop car and guess who's in a cop car tripping, dude. Don't take my word for it though. Here's the audio from one of the videos where you can hear the words from Aiden's own mouth. Trey can be heard speaking over Aiden, but it's clear enough to make out what Aiden says. We're, we're having fun in a f***ing cop car. Yep. Tristan. What's up, guys? Tristan, yep. if you f***ing walk out the damn... When you see this in a month... From his egregious behavior, it's clear Aiden felt untouchable and little to no concern for his missing classmate at that moment. Mind you, hundreds of people are still searching for Tristan as this is happening. However, the most shocking is the third and final post Aiden makes to Snapchat, a selfie of him flashing a peace sign with the caption, Hey guys, has anyone seen Tristan lately? The Jacksonville Times Union would later report Pierce flooded Aiden's inbox with messages in response to his posts. One in particular read, You were with her, Aiden. You know what happened to her. Meanwhile, the search for Tristan continues into the evening of Mother's Day. And as the sun begins to set, law enforcement, the Bailey family, friends, family, and even strangers are still combing every inch of the neighborhood and nearby woods, hoping to find Tristan and reunite the heartbroken family. But that illusion of hope is shattered at 6.06 p.m., eight hours after Stacy Bailey reported Tristan missing when a jogger calls 911 to report the lifeless body of a young girl whose blonde hair is matted and stained red with blood. According to the St. Augustine record, the body was found in the woods east of the cul-de-sac on Saddlestone Drive, an area not too far from the Bailey home and about 80 feet from a retention pond. 
The scene is graphic with Tristan's body lying in an unnatural position, still wearing a black and gray Victoria's Secret t-shirt with the word pink on it, black sweatpants, and checkered slip-on vans. Her belongings, a gold ring, her cell phone, a $20 bill, and a pink cotton candy-flavored vape are covered in blood and litter the floor around her. That's not all, though. A diver with the investigative team uncovers a folding buck knife in the water. Its tip is missing. Tristan's autopsy revealed a frenzied attack. The official cause of her death is sharp force trauma by stabbing, and that buck knife investigators found in the pond? The medical examiner found the knife's tip lodged in Tristan's scalp, confirming it to be the murder weapon. In total, she sustained 114 stab wounds, 49 of which were defensive stab wounds on her arms and right hand, meaning Tristan quite literally fought for her life until the very end. Aiden's DNA was detected on Tristan's body, although it's not clear from the reports I read what type of DNA they're talking about. Blood, saliva, I don't know. The medical examiner didn't uncover any indication of sexual assault. However, there were handprints found on Tristan's thighs that were not her own. And perhaps the most bizarre? The word karma was written on her left ankle in blue ink, while a smiley face was drawn on her other ankle. The Sun writes that it is not known who is responsible for the drawings, though. The St. John's County Sheriff's Office holds a press conference two hours later announcing the gruesome discovery and preliminarily identified the remains as belonging to Tristan, thus calling off the search and moving their investigation forward with plans to interview Aiden Fuji once more, this time as a murder suspect. Meanwhile, Aiden Fuji's parents, Crystal Smith and Jason Fuji, join him in a St. John's County Sheriff's interrogation room. The department films the family of three interacting as they sit huddled together. When the 14-year-old's parents break the news about the discovery of Tristan's body, he indignantly snaps saying, how is that my problem? Aiden's mom does her best to explain the gravity of the situation he's now found himself. He was the last person to be seen with Tristan, and now she's dead, murdered. Both parents question Aiden about what really happened that morning. They ask him over and over if there's any DNA or physical evidence the authorities may find and trace back to him. At one point, Aiden says he was wearing jeans during his encounter with Tristan. Mercury News reports that Crystal asked her son if there was anything on the jeans and, quote, clarified in a whisper, blood. She then suggests to him that he was mistaken and had actually been wearing khakis instead of jeans before prompting his agreement by saying, right, Finally, both Aiden's parents advise him to, quote, find his story and stick to it. Investigators waste no time searching the Fuji residence within hours of the family's conspiratorial conversation. They uncover several pocket knives and a homemade shank amongst Aiden's belongings, as well as a bloody cache of evidence in his bedroom, including a buck knife sheath without the knife, a pair of wet white Nike shoes, a t-shirt, and a pair of wet jeans in a laundry basket. Additionally, they find blood and dirt in the bathroom sink next to Aiden's bedroom, all of which eventually test positive for Tristan's DNA. When detectives confront Aiden with his soiled belongings, he changes his story again and ultimately makes several admissions of guilt according to a court document obtained by People magazine. Authorities officially arrest 14-year-old Aiden Fuji on second-degree murder charges by 3.30 a.m. on Monday, May 10th a little more than 24 hours after he committed the crime. There was blood in the sink. His Nikes were wet. His jeans were wet. 
It definitely sounds like he was trying to get rid of evidence. Well, someone tried to wash away the evidence. And it's not the person you're expecting. Turns out in the small window of time between Aiden speaking with his parents in the interrogation room and law enforcement searching the Fuji home, Aiden's mom, Crystal, went home. She found the blood-soaked jeans Aiden wore that morning and scrubbed Tristan's blood out of them in the bathroom sink. Footage from the home's interior surveillance camera caught her red-handed, literally. The mounted camera overlooks an open landing that's used as a play area for some of Aiden's younger siblings. Almost the entire image is just toy after toy on the ground, but if you look closely, you can see Crystal in the bathroom across the way with the door open. She stands at the sink, furiously cleaning the pants before she takes them with her to another room for a period of time. It took a couple of weeks, but she was eventually arrested for tampering with evidence, a third-degree felony. She pleaded not guilty and, as of now, from what I could find, is out on a $25,000 bond. I'm sure there'll be more updates on her case in the coming year, though. As the gruesome details of Tristan's murder and the failed cover-up spread, so did the call for justice. A petition on change.org received more than 200,000 signatures within days of Aiden's arrest, urging the state attorney's office to charge him as an adult. Well, another petition with 6,000 signatures requests that Aiden's charges be upgraded from second-degree murder to first-degree murder. It is important to note that the petitions don't hold any weight in either of the court's decisions. However, they're clear examples of the massive community support for Tristan and the Bailey family as a whole. Public backing didn't stop there. Thousands of people attended Tristan's memorial service at Celebration Church in Jacksonville, where attendees honored Tristan by wearing her favorite color, aqua. Friends and family shared tears and heartfelt memories about the girl who was taken from them too soon. As a quick aside, um, the entire event was beautiful. I actually watched it while researching for today. And if anyone's interested, the entire two-hour service is linked in the show notes. Or if you don't have the time to watch it, be sure to stay tuned until the end of today's episode for some audio clips. Hundreds more financially contributed to a GoFundMe account that the family plans to use in order to establish a foundation honoring Tristan and her legacy. That's amazing. We'll make sure to stay on the lookout for all of you listeners for if and when that foundation is created. Now, let's shift gears to the trial. There have been countless hearings and court appearances in the year and a half since Tristan's murder and Aiden's arrest, all of which have been attended by the Bailey family wearing aqua in honor of Tristan. However, the murder trial itself hasn't started just yet. A lot has happened in the preparation of it, though. First and foremost, Aiden's second-degree murder charges have been upgraded to premeditated first-degree murder due to the severity of the crime. State Attorney R.J. Lariza notes the number of wounds Tristan sustained as the primary reason for the decision. His case has also been transferred from the juvenile courts. He will now be charged as an adult and faces life imprisonment for his heinous actions. Despite being charged as an adult, he remains ineligible for the death penalty due to being underage. The 14-year-old murderer has pleaded not guilty through his court-appointed counsel. However, the chances of him escaping a guilty verdict appear slim to none. That's because the evidence against Aiden grows by the day. The Florida Times Union reports the state has over 200 witnesses for its case against Aiden including his parents, the county medical examiner, dozens of law enforcement officials and witnesses, 
residents in the Durban Crossing neighborhood, staff from Patriot Oaks Academy, and others. Court reports also reference a number of graphic drawings found among Aiden's belongings. The disturbing illustrations depicted mutilated female bodies with what News for Jacks reports as red X's over their breasts and genitals, and what appeared to be blood coming from several wounds. Aiden was known to carry knives with him whenever he wasn't in school, two of which he lovingly referred to as picker and poker, the latter of which is believed to be the folding buck knife used in his attack on Tristan. Perhaps most damning to Aiden's case are the interviews investigators have conducted with his friends, several of whom told investigators that Aiden fantasized for months about killing someone by dragging them into the woods and, quote, stabbing them or slitting their throat. His girlfriend, another eighth grader, told authorities that Aiden heard sinister voices when he became upset or angry. The voices would taunt him, describing him as worthless and a disappointment and even encourage him to kill people. The girlfriend recounted the terrifying moments when Aiden would sneak up on her from behind and pretend to stab her or touch the knife to her throat. When asked by investigators to describe Aiden, she said, he's, quote, the textbook definition of what you would call a numb kid. He has no feelings towards anyone, no feelings toward himself, and is the type of person you would see as a murderer. He just doesn't care. Hearing what's coming out in these interviews, I can't help but wonder if anybody had told anybody else this about Aiden before Tristan's murder. Not that we know of. Even though these red flags were there, none of his troubling behaviors were specifically reported to the authorities. What I do know for sure is that Tristan deserves to be remembered. With that in mind, I want to bring the story back to Tristan. I'm about to share two clips from her memorial service that I think are perfect for our listeners to hear as we end today's episode. In the first clip, Tristan's older brother, Tegan, talks about the lessons his little sister taught him. Anyone who has spent time around my family, you have likely heard somebody say that I'm going to be the greatest husband ever because I was raised with four sisters, an amazing mother. I now have a niece who is uh, very energetic. (laughs) And the truth is, I don't know if that's true. What I do know is I've been the most blessed brother because my sister is correct. I flunked out of Bailey boot camp. I am a work in progress, and my sisters have done an incredible amount of work on me. They have taught me many lessons, and I want to share with you some of the lessons that Tristan has taught me. The world can be made much brighter with just your smile. To always be proud of yourself and never hide yourself. That no matter who is watching, go and be silly. Go and enjoy life. Everything can be made with just a little bit of glitter or bedazzling, and sometimes both. That is not only possible, but probable that that 13-year-old does have better dance moves than you. And most importantly, to have determination and drive to reach your goals. And now here's Tristan's dad as he ends her memorial service. He calls his family forward, wrapping his arms around them, asking for one last cheer for his cheerleader. A rallying call for the thousands in attendance to remember to be Tristan Bailey strong. It's both beautiful and heartbreaking. With that, I want to bring the rest of the Bailey 7 up here because we need you to find the bottom of your lungs because on three, 
we're looking for a Tristan Bailey strong. So with everything you got, one, two, three. Until the next episode, make sure to follow us at The Murder Diaries Pod on TikTok and Instagram. Check out patreon.com slash The Murder Diaries Pod for more Murder Diaries content while you wait. Until next time, stay safe. Bye. Imagine a vacation waiting outside your door when you get home. Discover a new way to escape the stress of everyday life. Picture soothing jets massaging your back, relieving all your aches and pains. Sleep soundly without medications or supplements. Call 1-877-861-4672 to get $1,250 in instant savings, including free delivery. Call 877-861-4672 now or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.